additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Andrew said, my name is Josh. I'm a pastor here at Canyon Ridge, and I'm excited to finally get back into our series on Mark. I thought that video was really good. It actually set up my talk really well because that's what I'm going to be focusing on. We're going to skip chapters 2 and 3 in Mark. There's going to be one more chapter we're going to skip, and we're going to finish this series in Mark 16 on Easter. So I'm excited about that, but I've got a lot to talk to you about today, so I'm going to jump right into Mark chapter 4 after I pray. God, thanks for the chance to sit here and stand here this morning and speak to these people. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, God, would be acceptable in your sight. God, I know that you are a God that can speak a word so specifically, God. It doesn't matter all the different types of situations that we're facing. We all need to hear from you today, Lord. So I pray that you would speak whatever words I speak, God, that they would be your words and that you would speak them specifically to each and every situation in this room, that people might get your faith and your hope and your love in their situation to know, God, that you are still with them, that you will comfort them, and you will call them to something greater. In your precious name we pray, amen. Well, Mark chapter 4, verse 26 reads, he also, he being Jesus, said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And we're going to be focusing mostly on verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. We live in an age today where we need to know how. We live in the information age. And the, all the information that we have in the entire world fits into our pocket, is at our fingertips. We live in an age where we have so much information, that we have information 24-7. We have 10 million different ways to get information. We don't use pagers anymore, thankfully, but um, we, we have so many different ways to get information these days. And we have so much information that we're drowning in information, but we lack inspiration because what we see is we see a lot of people know a lot more, but we see a lot more people confused about what they're supposed to do in life. Um, so, I, uh, for, take for instance, when uh, I go to the grocery store. When I go to the grocery store, I walk down the cereal aisle. Now, the cereal aisle is both a, a beloved and, and a, a burden experience for me. Because if you know me, my favorite, my favorite food is, is cereal. If I was stranded on a desert island and I got one type of food, it would, of course, be cereal. Um, and, of course, cereal has to go with milk. Those are really kind of two parts of the same food. Um, I love cereal. I grew up eating cereal. Uh, we would have cereal, of course, for breakfast. But sometimes, you know, we were busy, and so we couldn't really put a lot together, so I'd have cereal for lunch. And sometimes, you know, dinner happened. I really wasn't that hungry because I was so busy during the day, and so I would have cereal for dinner. And there's all sorts of great cereals. And so when I walk down the cereal aisle, I really see all these different things that bring back memories. Because my family loved cereal too. 
I mean, if I was to ask you what's your, your favorite cereal, everybody has their favorite cereal. And, and I'm older now, and so when I go to the cereal aisle, you know, do I want Special K? Or, or maybe I want Cheerios? Or life is kind of like one of those ones I'm not sure because it seems healthy, but it's also got some sugar in it. So maybe some life cereal. But also I remember my childhood, and I remember how I love Lucky Charms. And I would eat all the, the other ones first, and then I'd leave the marshmallows for last, and I'd eat the marshmallows because that's the way you have to do it. You have to eat all of the, the cereal and then leave the marshmallows so you can really get all of the junk food. It's kind of like your dessert. Like, like the, the rest of it is your dinner, and the, or the other part of it is your dessert. Um, or Captain Crunch. I love Captain Crunch and how the way that it stays crunchy in the milk. And so I walk to the cereal aisle, and, and I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I, do I go to the... Because it seems like they have it in sections now. Like all the junk foods in one section, all the healthy foods in the, in the next section. And so I don't know what to do. So I'm like pacing back and forth, muttering to myself, looking like I'm a schizophrenic, idiotic, crazy guy, trying to decide which type of cereal that I want. Because what happens when we drown in more information... We lack inspiration, and we can't make a choice. We have so much information, but so little ability to choose what we want to do in our life. And we can take this principle, this idea, to our faith. And once we follow Jesus, there's a trillion other decisions that we have to make. You know, we want to follow Jesus. I've accepted Jesus into my life. So now I want to follow Jesus. I'm gonna, how do I follow Jesus in my finances? How do I follow Jesus in my relationships? How do I follow Jesus in my thoughts? And, and, and Jesus is talking about how do, we, how do we follow him? How do we follow him into the kingdom? Because a lot of us, we don't know how to grow. And because there's so many there's so many different options. There's so many different ways to choose. I think it's not even really that we don't know how to grow, but it's we don't know how to choose how to grow. And Jesus is talking about growth here. He's talking in verse 27 that night and day, whether he, the guy sleeps or gets up, whether the man sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. What Jesus is using is he's using a picture of a guy saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man scattering seed. And the man, even though he doesn't know how it works, he still scatters the seed. He still walks in faith. It's not, Jesus isn't just, he's using an agricultural metaphor, but he's not just talking about agriculture. He's talking about spiritual growth. How do we grow? That we keep walking in faith, we keep scattering seed, even though we don't know how. What Jesus is in effect saying is, don't let what you don't know stop you from growing. Don't let what you don't know stop you from growing. And one of the first things Jesus talks about when he talks about growth, the first thing we see Jesus preach after he goes through the testing in the wilderness and he comes out and he starts, starts his ministry, he says, repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of God is near. What is spiritual growth about? It's about living into the kingdom of God. And this is a new, new idea, new concept. Nobody had talked about the kingdom of God before. And so Jesus was trying to explain what is the kingdom of God like because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, Jesus is the king and we're called to live into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so 
the Jews at that time, when they heard kingdom of God, they must have thought that it was a physical kingdom. This is what it talked about in the, in the, the video, that the Jews heard that there was a, a, a physical kingdom, that, that they were waiting on a Messiah, a savior, somebody who was going to come in and be a leader and move into the, the, the Jewish territory and, and rally the Jews and, and come, bring them all together and they would throw off their, their oppressors, throw off the Romans. That was, that was the, what the battle was against. It was about coming together, changing their physical situation, and waiting for a leader. And that wasn't Jesus' view of the kingdom. That's not what Jesus came to inaugurate. What Jesus came to inaugurate was a personal, spiritual kingdom. That's what Jesus came to inaugurate. He said, I am coming so that you can be like that man scattering seed. This is a, a, a personal, spiritual kingdom that I can bring in whatever, wherever I am, wherever I'm going. I can bring this kingdom. That was the kind of kingdom Jesus came to inaugurate in, in what he was doing. And so we find that, um, that the Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. In other words, the battle wasn't a battle over dominion. It wasn't a battle against the Romans. The battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. The battle is a battle over dominion of hearts. We, we want, need to go and say, hey, are you going to follow the ways of the world? Or are you going to follow Jesus? This is a battle over hearts. And, and so much of the time, we, we think that our battle is against people. But our battle is not against that person that cut you off. Your ba- that battle is, is not against your coworker. Your battle is not against your boss. Your battle is not against take whatever person is annoying you. That's not your battle. What your battle ultimately is against is against mindsets. It's against principalities and powers. It's against spiritual forces. And ultimately, our battle is against the devil. It's against the evil one that wants to destroy us. And, and so much of the time, the devil is not out there in the world, so much of the time, the, the devil that I experience is the devil that I'm struggling against is the devil that's in me. It's the devil that, that keeps me back from living the life that God has called me to. The devil that stops me from living into the purpose that, that Jesus has called me to, from living as a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's the, the battle that so much of us face in our life. It's an individual struggle. It's an individual struggle that we have. And in that struggle, much like the man that was scattering seed, he took an individual, a personal responsibility for being a part of that kingdom, for the kingdom struggle, the kingdom battle. He stepped into that. And no matter what happened, he said, this, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man scattering seed, scattering the gospel, the man growing and being involved even though he didn't know how. That's what the kingdom of God is like. But so often what I want to do is I want to be overwhelmed at my situation. I want to figure out what is the right thing to do and come up with a detailed plan. So often what I want to do is I want to be able to say, God, I can't do this. Have somebody else do this. I want to be irresponsible. So there's this, this conflict of individual responsibility versus irresponsibility in my life. What, what am I going to do? That's, and that's one of the, 
the kingdom battles that we struggle with. It's a personal, spiritual battle that we struggle with in our lives. And so um, Jesus is looking at this guy, and he's taking personal, spiritual responsibility. But so often in our lives, we want to put off that responsibility. And so we, we, I had a guy say to me once, he said, um, if, you want, if you want to starve a dog, assign three people to feed the dog. Because somebody is always going to believe somebody else is going to do it. Uh, or, or look at our voting situation in our, in our country. That so many people, they don't vote because they think the nation is going to vote. There's, the other people are going to vote. And so we don't vote. And we don't cast our vote, which is our right, because we believe some, it's somebody else's responsibility. And that's the personal struggle that so, we face so often in our lives. Uh, but, but Jesus wants to call us to a personal responsibility. He wants to say that we as kingdom of followers, as citizens in the kingdom of God, we, we can step up and take a personal responsibility and be like that man that is scattering seed, even though we don't know how. We can walk in faith and do what God has called us to do. And, and the question that's often raised in my mind is, can one person make a difference? Can I... Can, can I really make a difference if I take a personal responsibility? But what Jesus says is this in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. See, we have not been given a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. If there's some sense that your progress is, is, is in your power. Your progress is in your power. You've got to make the choice to say, hey, I'm going to take up the personal responsibility, and I'm going to go follow Jesus and, and speak truth and love to people as they come toward me, as, in whatever situation I'm in. Because this is not a kingdom that is like you, you travel to go to the kingdom. No, if you've accepted Jesus Christ and you've received his Holy Spirit, then the kingdom goes with you wherever you go. There is a circle around you that is the kingdom dominion. And you bring that with you into any situation you in, you're in. Because you don't, you're not working by your spirit alone. The power is not in your situation. The power is in the spirit. And it's in your spirit. Because you've got Jesus Christ in you. So you can say with, with, with the Bible, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that I believe that there is a God that is greater than your situation. And that you can speak truth and power and love into any situation so that you might fight the battle of the kingdom. And begin to see that there is a God that can speak life and that can break lies that people believe. There is a God that can speak truth into any situation. There is a God that can see lives restored. There is a God that can help people experience real community. There is a God that can help people know God's purpose in their life. There is a God that can heal marriages. There is a God that can help divorces come back and begin to see new life and new relationship in divorce. There is a God that can help people who doubt begin to believe again because he is a God that is good and that loves us and is present if you would avail yourself of his power in your life. There is a God that loves you and there is a God that it will be with you in a kingdom and help you to know but this man, as he's scattering the seed, he also 
doesn't know how it happens. That's kind of our theme verse, that night and day, whether he sleeps or, or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And in the midst of that story, this guy is, is sitting and he's waiting for the seed to sprout and grow, but he doesn't know how it's going to happen. And there's, there's a, a thing about spiritual growth, about growth in, in us, that, that it's invisible in our life. It's an invisible process. We don't get to see how it happens. It would be nice if there was like a growth meter that just kind of like hovered above us. And so as we walked around, we could like see it. And so uh, as, as we're, we're going, people are like, oh, it's three. Now it's five. Great. I'm growing. Things are great. But that's not how things work. It's an invisible process. Often, you know, like I have my kids. And if people haven't seen us for a while, then when they see us, all of a sudden, they say, oh, your, your kids have really grown. But we don't notice it because we see it every day. And so it's an invisible process. But in the, the, the process of the invisible process... It's a lot of processes. Um, we can get impatient. We can get impatient about the growth because we don't see the tangible changes right away. And so, you know, I, I said in a couple sermons ago that most people, 92% of people, give up their New Year's resolutions by Valentine's Day. We just had Valentine's Day, so a lot of people, 92% of you, have given up your New Year's resolutions, or at least 92% of you that made New Year's resolutions. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for me, with the snowstorm that happened, it kind of threw us off rhythm, and so we've, we've lost some of our things, and now we're trying to get that momentum back in, in the regular routine of things. But, but we get impatient, and, and we join the gym at the beginning of the year, and we say, hey, we're going to lose those seven pounds, and we go through, and we keep trying to stick with it, but then we don't see the pounds just melt away right away, and so we become impatient, and we get distracted, and we give up. Or we read our Bible app, and we want to expect to change, and we want to be better, and yet we're still reading our Bible app, and, and then our kids are, are off screaming or being crazy, and we say, shut up, kids, I'm trying to read my Bible app. And, and we're still yelling at our kids, and we're still having that same personality. We don't see things different because it, we, feel, we feel like it didn't work. And then we get distracted. It doesn't, in the, the midst of the process, in the midst of that, what I call waiting season of growth, we get distracted. And there's things that come into our lives that begin to take our focus and our attention and our energy away from the things that we're trying to grow. And we become distracted. There is, um, in the beginning of, of Mark, chapter, of the Mark 4, there's the parable of the sower, uh, really, I'd say it's the parable of the soils. Jesus is talking about four different soils and how the seeds, seeds being planted in each of those different soils and how it either grows or doesn't grow. But in the first soil, Jesus says that, that the seed, which is the word of God, falls along the footpath and it's, it's kind of hard ground so that the birds come and snatch it up. I wonder if we have any, any seed snatchers in your life. We've got seed snatchers that distract us from spiritual growth in our life. Some, some of the seed snatchers are, are thoughts that you might have. You might have thoughts that are seed snatchers. Like, like I'm not good enough, or this is taking too long. This is never going to get me anywhere. Um, I, it didn't work for me before. It's not going to work for me now. Uh, I, I'm never going to amount to anything. What that, per, that curse that person said over my life, that you're never going to be good. Nobody's going to like you, you. You're never going to make it anywhere. That continually holds over our head. And it's a seed snatcher, snatching away 
the potential for growth in our life. Or for some people, it might be people in your life. That it's, it's, you go to work in 9.30 in the morning and here they come, another seed snatcher in your life, a joy thief telling you that you're not going to be good. They're always complaining. They're always negative. They're always talking about themselves and all the problems they have. And they're joy thieves in your life. And they're snatching seeds of growth because you're feeling the burden that they're putting on your life. Some of us, we need to get rid of some joy thieves in our life and begin to put up some boundaries. For others of us, um, like in that, that first story that there's, there's the birds of the air snatch the seeds. Maybe we have some seed snatching apps on our phone, you know, it says the, the birds of the air. What's that? That's one, one with the bird Twitter. Maybe that Twitter is that seed snatching app you have that it's constantly you have in your Twitter feed somebody that you need to just get rid of or maybe on your Facebook page, somebody that is just constantly talking about. I have a friend who's constantly talking about conspiracy, conspiracy theories and how the shadow government and the deep government and, and all these things. And I probably need to get him off my Facebook page because I don't need to worry about all these extra things that could be happening that are in the background, the shadow government that wants to get me. Um, So there's some seed snatching apps maybe you have on your phone. But there's things that distract us from spiritual growth in our life, from what God wants to do. But in the the story, what we see is that Jesus is is saying that there's this guy who... who, can trust that the seed is sprouting and growing even though he doesn't see it happen, even though he doesn't know how it's happening. That there is a, a, a God that continues to see things happen in our lives. Um, I brought this up here. And um, I think a lot of times what we want is we want to um, have a path. Like we want a path that's going, going and, and showing us where we're supposed to go. And so maybe we, we'll plot something out, like we want to go to, we're going to drive to Oregon or something, to Portland. We want to go visit Voodoo Donuts or something. So we're going to go to Oregon. And so we know, you, you know, pretty much you just go to the I-5, but then once you get down there, you know, you've got to figure out how do I, what are all the turns that I need to make, how to get there. And, and so many of us, we have, um, we want to control things and we want the map. We want to go into our phone, get on Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever you use, and we want to plot out the course and we want to know specifically what's the turns that we're going to take in life. And so many of us want to live like that too. We want to know what are the specific things. It'd be nice if God had a GPS for our life that said, okay, once you, you reach high school, graduate and then turn right here and go to this college. And once you meet the girl or the guy of your dreams, then, then turn left. Um, or maybe, maybe you meet the person that's not supposed to be that, that person in your life. And so, you know, you turn, run away from them. Um, and and then it'd be nice if God gave us a GPS for our life. But what's better than a GPS for our life is that we have, it'd be like if, if we have, my mom, we had a GPS and we called her Mary Mapalot because um, it would always speak to us, and she always called it Mary Mapalot, and say, thank you, Mary Mapalot, for giving us directions. We're speaking to a technological device. It's not the smartest thing. But, um, but what if we had, instead of Mary Mapalot through the, the GPS, what if we actually had a person with us that actually knew all the direction of where we were supposed to go? I think that's what happens when we trust God, 
God doesn't want to give us all the directions because he wants us to be, be in the journey with us. He wants us to invite him along with us in the journey that we might know that there is a God that is with us, that we, can, that we can connect to, that we can look to, that we can constantly get to know deeper and deeper and deeper in our lives. And as we do that, we build a deeper relationship. So we have the person more than just the plan that we can kind of say, thanks God for the plan. I'm going to run over here now and, and work it and do the plan because I don't need you anymore. I've got the plan myself. But God says, no, I want you to be able to follow me and, and to be with me and to trust me that I'll be with you along the way for the plan. God wants to be with us. So not a, not a, we don't need a map. We need a miracle worker. And through the waiting seasons of your life, maybe you've lost a job or maybe there's a relationship you had that you no longer have and it's a waiting season for you. You don't have a, a time in your life where everything is just kind of lining up, that regular routine. You've got some free time now. It's in those waiting seasons that we can do one of two things. We can either get depressed because we don't have what we wished we had had, or during that waiting season of our life, we can use that extra time to, be, to build roots and dig down deeper into Scripture, into knowing God, to know that the creator of the universe is also one that will impart creativity to us. And so those waiting seasons of our life can be some of the most creative times that we can use that time. If we would say, okay, I don't have these opportunities, but the opportunity that I do have now is the opportunity of time. And so I'm going to use that for my benefit to get root, my roots down deeper into a relationship with Christ and to be able to follow God more wholeheartedly and be able to say, what is his purpose for my life? To build new relationships, to, to serve maybe here at the church, to, that, that we, I can be involved in God's purpose for me right here at this church. I don't need a job to tell me that I have worth. I know that I have worth and I'm going to live out of that worth and I'm going to follow God's calling for me. God wants to meet you in the waiting seasons of your life, that, you, that things would grow even though you don't know how. And part of that is just taking opportunities to say, God, I'm going to follow you even when things seem difficult in my life. That's what God wants to do. He wants to help us through the waiting seasons. And so we see in this passage that the guy moves from scattering seed to then you know, that things grow, even though he doesn't know how. And then in, in, in verse 28, it says that um, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. That there's a process that is happening, a process of growth, even though we don't see it. And it's the man didn't do it. It says all by itself, the soil produces grain. See, we often think that we need to know more. And I hear people crying, how? So many times it, you know, the pastor's saying some great things, Josh, you're saying some great things, but, but, but how? How do I do it? The cry resounding out from the people is how? I, I want to live a better life. I want to experience real life in Jesus, but how? I want to experience real community in my life, but how? I want to experience God's purpose in my life. I've got to sneeze. But how? <laughs> look at the light. Look at the light. <laughs> um, but how? How do I do those things? God, that's God's, um, that's our cry is, is how. How do I do those things? And oftentimes we think we need to know more. You know, I feel like 
not a whole, I don't have a whole lot of regrets in my life, but, but one regret maybe that I have is I regret that I didn't write more about how to parent before I actually became a parent, right? Because before I became a parent, I knew all sorts of things about how to be a parent. Like when I saw people with their crying kids, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, man, they're not doing it right. They're, they're failing. Um, because I knew, even though I didn't have kids, I knew how they should have parented. Um, beyond that, maybe even pastoring. When I went to cemetery, I mean seminary, um, I, I, I had all this detailed plan of, of ministry and, and how things should have happened. And I knew from A to Z, this is how you grow a church. This is how you reach people. This is how you disciple people. Because I studied all the books and I had all these great theories and pretty charts and diagrams and and you would have loved it. I could have written a 700-page book on how to grow a church and how to reach people and how to grow people all from seminary. And then what happened is that my kids and that people showed up and you ruined all my pretty charts and you ruined all my pretty diagrams and it all doesn't work anymore. I wouldn't write a book anymore. I'd write a pamphlet and the pamphlet would just be prayer hands. Pray, pray through it because I have no idea how I'm supposed to do this. And we think that we need to know more. We think that we need to gain more knowledge. But God wants to teach us through experience, experience that you would gain if you would just take a step of faith, that you would take a step of faith even though you don't know how. And as you take a step of faith, you begin to gain experience. And that experience gives you something better than knowledge. It gives you wisdom. And as you gain wisdom, that wisdom begins to apply in different areas of your life. You see, we think we need to know so much more, but so many of us know a lot already, and so we've become professional seed collectors. We, we've been collecting all sorts of seed. We, we, we listen to sermons like this one. We read the Bible. We fill our notebooks with in, information, but we lack inspiration, and so we don't apply any of this. It's, it's information without application, and so we, we're, we're educated far beyond the level of our obedience, and we don't walk through in it, and so we don't know how to, how to live things out. Wouldn't it be sad that when we got to heaven, God showed us the stash of seed that we just sat on and didn't do anything with. I can preach my heart out to you, but I, and I, that can be seed going forth from, from me, great information. But unless it gets rooted down in your hearts and you begin to apply things, then it, it's just a stash of seed that you're sitting on. And it won't grow and produce fruit in your life. God knows the order of things, though. He knows how things are supposed to happen. God, God says there, there's an order to things. There, there's the, um, the, the, the kernel grows. What does it say? First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. That there is a process to how things grow. And we don't always know the process to how it's supposed to grow. God didn't pick people who, who always got the, the question of how. Mary when, when she was told by the Holy Spirit that she was going to be, give birth to Jesus, the, 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 he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be with child. And Mary's question was what? How? The disciples, Jesus said, hey, get some loaves. We're going to feed 4,000 people. And what was the disciples' question? The question was, was basically how? Uh, Abraham, when, when God told him to to move out of Ur, to go from Ur to the land, I will show you what Abraham could have asked God, how? 
because God didn't give him any directions. And so often, we want to know how, but God doesn't always tell us how. He doesn't always tell us how, but he tells us to follow him and to trust him. And we think we need more to grow. We think we need to know more to grow. But I found out, really, that I know enough. Um, I, if I, I know that enough, to, I know to listen to people more, to listen before I speak. I know that in theory. <laughs> but, but if I just did this one thing, if I really listened before I speak, I would be so much wiser than I am now. I'd probably get myself out of a lot more trouble than what I put myself in. I know uh, to consider others before myself. Yeah. I know that, that in theory, but, but I, do I always do it? No. And if I just did some of the, one of those things, if I just did those things, I would be so much further along in my growth. And I know those things. I can preach those things to you. I even try to practice those things, but I don't always come through. And so uh, I think a lot of times we want to spend more time on the knowledge, like we want to know the, uh, the, about the wheels in Ezekiel and how the wheels work or about the, the lamps in Revelation and what is the beast in Revelation and what does that mean? And we're, and we're thinking about um, Jesus came, was born in Bethlehem and Beth means house and Lechem means bread. If you, you want to say it Jewish, it's Lechem. Um, you got to have the guttural Lechem. And so it means the house of bread and Jesus is the bread of life. And isn't that amazing that Jesus, the bread of life, came out of the house of bread. And then the guy is, is sitting there and saying, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. And how is this going to help me? Because the thing is that Jesus gave us some commands. He said, Jesus said, love your neighbor. Uh, he said, love your enemy. That's not hard to understand to, to love my neighbor and to serve my neighbor's needs, to love those that are around me. It's easy to understand, but it's hard to do. But if you'd repeat after me, if, if I would do, if I would do what I knew, I would grow. If you would do what you would do, if I would do what I knew, we would grow. We, we are, like I said before, we are far educated beyond the level of our experience. I do things every day that I don't know how it works, but I do it anyway. This morning, I pushed a button in my car. My car turned on, and I drove here, and I'm here now. Do I know completely how my car works? No. I don't know how pushing a button starts the wheels and the engine, how all that starts. I know that there's electricity that is involved somehow, but I don't know how it all works. Um, I know this iPad that I'm preaching from. I know I can turn it on and, and get it going, but I don't know exactly how it works and how everything works in it. And so I have um, this, I don't know, I have to know how everything works all the time, but I know that God works. I know that God has called me to a faith and to follow him. And I would just pray that as we begin to, as, as I begin to close, that we would begin to know more that God is not a God who calls us to, to know how everything works, to be able to follow him. Part of, of the knowledge and part of, of the, the experience that we'll get, part of learning how, really is, is not before we begin the journey, it's on the journey. That God will meet us on the journey and show us how he has called us to live. Does this make sense? You guys get it? Yeah? <laughs> All right. Let me close in prayer, and then, we'll, then we'll, we'll head on out. 